Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. This whole thing is setting up perfect for the demise of the Los Angeles Rams. And Brandon Schultz. So what I'm hearing from both you guys, Sean McVay really likes tight ends. Go Hawks! This is episode 207 of the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers. Joining me, my good buddy and Montana Seahawker, Adam Emmert. I am not the only one joining us today, Brandon. We have two of our favorite uh, fellow podcasters, even if they root for one of the shittiest teams in the NFL. James and Bear from the Rams podcast to join us today. Hey, guys, how's it going? Thanks for having us on. Man, I heard that episode launch at the beginning, 200 and something. That's some episode goals right there as as podcasters. Congratulations. Good stuff. Well, you know, uh, when you start a podcast and your team goes to the Super Bowl that very first year, you you feel like you have uh, something to do with it. And so then you just keep going, thinking that uh, if you if you stop, then maybe your team stops having success. And uh, I don't know what that means now that we missed the playoffs last year. Uh, kind of fluky, maybe, because we actually did beat you guys in Los Angeles last year. So I, I kind of feel like we have to keep this going. Well, that's a kind of an opposite story for us. The year we started our podcast, LA's first year, uh, the Rams' first year back in LA, they had they were one of the worst teams in the NFL. So kind of opposite of you guys, and we've kind of taken the reciprocal approach. Yeah, last year I'd have to say we had a pretty braggable <laughs> year. So uh, things are things are starting to go our way too. But here's the thing, James, the year you guys started, you fired Jeff Fisher. So I kind of feel like that's equivalent to winning the Super Bowl for a Rams fan. (laughs) It really was. I mean, I don't know one Rams fan who's who likes Jeff Fisher. It's just a name. We don't even talk about that name anymore. If we might even bleep this out of the episode, because (laughs) it's it's a taboo subject for us Rams fans. Well, it's exciting having you guys on because we, we love continuing this Know Your Rivals segment that we've done. What, this is our third year doing it? Fourth? Gosh, yeah. Like third or fourth. Yeah, we're, we've been keeping this going. Well, I think we've recorded four podcasts together, but it's our third actual year. Well, and we had we actually had uh, some dudes from the St. Louis, some St. Louis Rams podcast uh, on before we started talking to you guys, too. But, you know, when they moved, they I think they moved on to a different team. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I have to say, I, we've experienced that. I mean, I uh, li- growing up in Seattle, actually, when, when we lost the Supersonics, I never became a fan of OKC and still to this day sort of hate that team. So I, I sort of understand. I was a huge Supersonics fan growing up. You know, it's funny. I watched a video just the other day about a uh, little bit more the backstory of the, uh, the Sonics uh, leaving and uh, just exactly how... Uh, snaky Clay Bennett is. And uh, yeah, that's got to be tough to swallow still these days. Um, I was never a huge Sonics fan, but I'd love to see the Sonics come back. There's no doubt about it. But uh, let's get to the Rams a little bit, guys. I mean, that, that's something that uh, I know is a big topic of conversation in the media this year. Now that you guys have already won the Super Bowl by, you know, basically trying to buy one. Um, everybody's <laughs> media darling this year. And uh, so that's got to feel pretty good. I mean, I, I imagine you guys have a little swagger going for you right now. 
We absolutely do. We're looking forward to training camp starting up soon. We made so many amazing moves in the offseason. We can get into those as well. But yeah, we're, we're definitely being talked about. You know, when we first started this podcast, it's like we were just saying, the Rams just didn't get any national respect and it just wasn't a team anybody talked about seriously. And now we're one of those teams that, you know, people are, are, are mentioning in the news and very anxious to see how we're going to be able to do this year. Yeah, as James kind of mentioned there, you know, coming from where we started to this offseason where a lot of these additions kind of came even before the league year officially started. So it was a fun couple weeks in the offseason here for out in L.A. watching a lot of these transactions happen. And the last couple weeks slash month has almost been a little bit of a bore fest as, you know, we're kind of used to adding a pro bowler. Uh, every week or so. So we got to get to the season and kind of get these guys out on the field. But it's been pretty fun being a Rams fan the last uh, you know, few months. You guys did have some big additions. I think the one that uh, is probably the most scary for Seahawks fans, and we can start off there. And Dominican Sue added to the defensive mm. line along with Aaron Donald. You know, I guess maybe we can just hope as Seahawks fans that Aaron Donald decides to sit out the season until he gets paid. And then uh, all we have to do is worried about worry about Russell Wilson getting stepped on again by Indomitian Sue, like happened, <laughs> what, two years ago against the Dolphins. Yeah, I like to think of Indomitian Sue as almost the cherry on top of the offseason. You know, we went out and did our uh, two trades for Tlaib and Peters to really kind of solidify the corner position after we kind of let Tremaine Johnson uh, seek work elsewhere and not franchise tag him again for an ungodly amount of money. And then getting, you know, like we just mentioned, Domkin Sue in to, to be right next to AD. And, and, you know, don't hold your breath too much on him holding out. I think we're going to get this thing wrapped up before uh, training camp comes. A lot of the news coming out from, you know, the the, the front office is that, that, you know, they're communicating this year compared to where, where they're at last year. Big, big steps ahead. So I think we're going to get that figured out. We're going to get him to a long-term deal. He's going to see the new stadium, and he's going to see Russell Wilson on his back, hopefully a lot, uh, with Ndamukong Sue up on that front line. It's going to be tough to figure out who you're going to block when both those guys can almost take on, you know, a double team by themselves. So uh, very excited about what we brought in this offseason to add to, you know, the, on the other side of the ball, one of the best offenses in the league. Well, I'm actually extremely excited for you guys to sign Aaron Donald to some monster mega contract because every team that uh, signs a defensive tackle to a massive deal does amazing. Just ask the Dolphins and the Texans. And, <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be great for you guys. I, I like the history. Well, talking about Russell Wilson moving around back there, and if he happens to not get sacked every play because of <laughs> Sue and Aaron Donald, one of my favorite additions, Marcus Peters. You got to watch out for this guy because since he's entered the NFL in 2015, he has the most interceptions. No other player uh, has more than him. He's at 19 right now and 55 passes defended. So if by chance Russell Wilson is able to get away, which he is a quite the scrambler, and yes, that is sort of scary, but we, we're going to be attacking him from both sides right now of the line uh, and if he throws up the ball there's a very good chance we're just going to catch it anyway uh, from our <laughs> defense so I mean uh, you know things are looking good on the defensive side of the ball and quickly to add to that um, you know one of the things I loved hearing these guys in uh, OTAs kind of talk about how they love Wade Phillips defense because it allows them to be risk takers and he puts them in positions to make plays and those two guys if you've you know followed their careers uh, love 
you know, going out and taking those risks and going for the interception. So it fits perfectly into that defense. And as James mentioned, you know, our big thing is going to be putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, whether it's Russell Wilson or anybody else in the league. And, you know, if they feel pressure to kind of make that throw, uh, we got guys back there. Uh, not only the two we just mentioned, but, you know, uh, John Johnson, the third is a second year player, had a great first year. And then LaMarcus Joyner, a guy that we franchise tag that everyone's really excited about here in L.A., uh, and that's not counting a couple of the guys that are added depth. Nickel Rolby Coleman, who, you know, had a great year, went healthy last year for us. So that secondary is just as scary as, as that front line, which is exciting for this defense. Wade Phillips just had to wait that extra year while we spent all of our time and focus on <laughs> offense last year. And they turned around and gave him a bunch of love uh, to deal with. So, uh, you know, peeking over there at, at the Seahawks and what they did, not only in the offseason, but through the draft. Uh, one of their big issues, which I thought, you know, I'd love to hear you guys take on it, was that offensive line to help them protect against these guys that we've added, you know, on our defense. Uh, but it doesn't seem that way, that we didn't really see a lot of additions in the offensive line. Is that nerve-wracking going forward, or do they have a better plan? I know they got a new offensive line coach, but what's going on with that? I was going to say, first off, ding dong, the Wicked Witch is dead. Tom Cable is freaking gone. Okay. We're not doing this defensive lineman playing offensive lineman crap anymore. We're actually going to try out a bunch of dudes that were first and second round picks. You know, whether that's Fluker, Dwayne Brown, Justin Britt, uh, Effetti, or Posick. And then also, too, you know, you talked a little bit about the Rams players and OTAs talking about how much they enjoyed Wade Phillips' scheme because it fit their skill set. This is much the difference with or the same thing as bringing in Mike Solari for the offensive line coach. He's getting rid of the majority of that zone blocking crap. A lot more Mm. man-to-man blocks, a lot more power schemes, and that's going to fit what uh, many of our offensive linemen do best, whether that's DJ Fluker or hopefully make a big improvement for Jermaine Effetti. So it's a little bit of bringing in one you know, quality offensive lineman to play at guard, banking on your rookie making that second-year leap in POSIC, and then hoping a little bit for Effetti to be uh, the player that you drafted him to be in the first round. But with all that said, it pissed me off like no nobody's business that they drafted Penny in the first round instead of you know getting another body on the mm-hmm. offensive line. But we'll see. You know, when I saw that first pick, I mean, obviously a guy that's got some talent, but there was questions of, you know, was he even the best running back at the time? And was he the best, you know, fit for for your team at the time? So sounds like, Adam, you weren't too thrilled with it. I mean, I I think you got a little bit of a talented guy there, but was that the right pick? Maybe, maybe not. Who would have who was there that you might would have, you know, rather had? Well, Bear, here, let me jump in, Bear, because. You know, you bring up the idea of there are a lot of other backs, but the Seahawks were the second team to take a running back off the board. So no matter what we think, we can be confident knowing that of all the running backs not named Saquon Barkley, the Seahawks got their guy. Had they waited right. until a couple other guys came off the board, then you would you'd have that question constantly, you know, oh, did they want Nick Chubb? Did they want Darius Geis? No. They wanted Rashad Penny, and they went out and got him ahead of every other back that that was picked. And this is somewhere where Brandon and I have disagreed strongly because I, I just watching the tape of Penny play, he's not that thumping, bruising uh, back that's going to break a lot of tackles. I know that he led the league in what was it yards after contact uh, right. last year, right? But if you look at that, a lot of it was like a broken shoestring tackle that he took for 50 yards. And so, you know, just kind of piled up. You didn't see him like 
busting it in there and taking a two yard gain and making a four yard gain and falling forward. That's not his game. He's a fat. He's more of a scat back than he is a power back. And that's the thing that frustrated me the most with that pick, because then you looked at guys, you looked at some of the other backs, Chubb. And I mean, those were more power backs. And I would have much rather have seen that. And Russell Wilson's going, hey, I thought I was your running back. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he had most of our rushing touchdowns last year. So <laughs> I that's definitely a place where the Seahawks have to improve is in their run game, especially losing Jimmy Graham and, you know, the touchdown machine that he was inside the red zone. Now, we didn't get much out of him outside the red zone, but uh, I think it's we're going to have to count on our run game now. And one of the guys that we haven't talked about, Chris Carson, also coming back. And we talk about guys who are thumpers. That was a guy that through the first four games of the season until he got hurt, he, he kind of had that bruising style of running back that Adam really does like. But let's get more into uh, the Rams defense. Now, you guys were all fired up about the defensive line uh, and all about your secondary. I, I didn't hear you, you know, so much confidence <laughs> and excitement around the linebacking core. Uh, mm-hmm. What's going on there? Hey, you guys should speak. You have a great linebacker situation right now with Wagner and Wright. Um, it's pretty scary, actually, going to be facing those guys. But, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that Rams Nation was a little questionable about in the draft. We didn't really address it. Of course, we got Kaiser there, but I don't know if he's really going to be a solution or if he's even going to start. But, yeah, there's one. We got that little uh, center area on the defensive side of the ball. That's that's kind of a weakness. And if you happen to get past our line and you're not tossing it and seeing a threat from our cornerback, and uh, we're still in a situation where it's it's kind of questionable, and I think a lot of a lot of Rams fans are looking to see who's going to be able to fill those spots. I don't know what Bear thinks about that situation. Yeah, a couple things. A couple times I've told James basically that they could line me and James up at the middle <laughs> linebacker, and we can still win eleven ball games uh, with the way the rest of the team is built out there. And the thing is, there's also a lot of young talent. Sam Ewokum, who was on the team last year, showed a lot of uh, growth when Ogletree was out. Uh, he had mentioned, you know, one of the guys that we had gotten in Kaiser, Obo Okoronko, which I've practiced that name about nine days. Hey, nailed so, it. So that I got it out without having to edit through. Man, it made me really proud right there. Uh, he's a little banged up right now, but we love him. He was a fifth-round pick out of Oklahoma. We were shocked mm-hmm. that we got him that late. People were kind of calling for him to be picked uh, in that third, fourth round area. Uh, and then Corey Littleton, another guy that got some some playing time last year, really showed out in special teams and showed that he could handle the defense when he was given the opportunity. Uh, and then we're going to kind of really lean on Mark Barron being the guy, the veteran, to kind of hold that crew together. So I'm, I'm curious. This is going to be a fun position to kind of wa- watch through camp because, like we mentioned, in a lot of the other positions, there's not a lot of camp battles going on at Rams camp. Uh, this is definitely going to be one that has a lot of people's attention. Uh, and and like James said, you know, we're going to have to lean on the other strengths that we have, that line trying to get through there. Run defense was a big problem for us last year. I think that was one of the reasons we brought you know, and Dominican in to kind of hopefully help on that front line. But I'm excited about these young guys. You always hear, you know, the big name guys that got the big contracts. So you just kind of assume that that's what you have to lean on. But uh, these young guys coming up that don't have a big name for themselves have an opportunity. Bryce Hager is another one of those guys that, you know, was on the team last year that's going to get some more reps. So curious to see how we're going to fill it. Uh, but from the start, it kind of sounds like, you know, Corey Littleton, uh, Bryce Hager, and uh, Ibukum are going to be those guys that we kind of look to kind of rotate in there. And then not to forget, you know, the, I know we're going back to the front of the line, but Mike, Michael Brockers and Dominic Easley are two guys that kind of get overlooked on, you know, with the, that front line. So really excited. I know that's our area of, you know, quote unquote weakness. 
But I'm kind of I'm looking forward to seeing those young guys get an opportunity and kind of proving themselves in this league because you know you know you got to step up right away, fill that role, uh, or else they'll be exposed pretty quick. Yeah, and Corey Littleton, you better mention, really kind of stepped it up when he was playing last year. Pretty excited to see what he's going to be able to bring to the table this year. And Mark Barron, heavy hitter, he's one of my favorite. Uh, linebackers on the defense and right now you know we're in a situation where the moves we made in the offseason we trust in Wade Phillips Wade is you know has been the NFL a long time and even though we may seem weak at that position right now we trust in Wade and we know that he's going to be able to do something amazing back there with with the linebacker core so let's move over to the offensive side of the ball for you guys a little bit not a a ton of changes but Tavon Austin gone finally I'm sure Mm -hmm. you guys are probably excited about that yeah and uh, and then you bring in Brandon Cooks, a guy who's now been dumped by two teams in his prime. What are your thoughts on that? Is this a, is this a, a guy who has a case of being a knucklehead or is it just that he's not a good fit on these other teams? Like, how is it that a guy this talented has been given up on now twice? I think Belichick did Cooks a favor here. I mean, we've been watching some of the uh, OTA footage and Sean McVay and Jared Goff are so jacked about how fast Cooks is. He's he's already, you know, fit in perfectly with the chemistry of this offense. Goff loves hitting him in the, with the deep ball. I think I think he's going to fit very well here and I'm very much looking forward to to what Cooks is going to bring to the table. Yeah, and far from a knucklehead, because the craziest thing about this guy, and and you mentioned him getting you know traded twice. He's one of the only people that probably been drafted in the first round three times, with you know being drafted physically in the first round, then traded twice for first round value. Um, but <laughs> Sam Bradford, I, I yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Bradford Broken. immediately okay. came to mind. <laughs> yeah. Healthy, healthy first round value. All oh, right, um, but. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't get it. I'm not sure really what is the case on why he's being moved. But if, if you kind of watch some of the, you know, behind the scenes stuff on him or kind of hear the guy talk, I mean, he's total opposite of, of that. And he's a great teammate. And I think we're really excited about him here in L.A. And as James talked about uh, the chemistry, I love how far I mean, if you think about it last year, we hadn't even had Sammy Watkins on our roster yet. Uh, so we got to bring him in late in camp. And there was always those talks about he never really connected with Goff. And, you know, he had eight touchdowns, but I think six of them were inside the five yard line, kind of like your your Jimmy Graham, you know, red zone threat. Didn't do much else after that. Uh, so I think he's going to fit better into uh, these, this offense this year. And like you said, not much turnaround. So we don't expect, you know, we were first last year in the league. And I mean, it's it's a high hope to, you know, want to get that again, go one, one back to back. But I don't expect us to drop far off of what we did last year because the rest of the offense is exactly the same. So adding in Brandon cooks is a, a number one, who's got great speed, better route runner uh, than Sammy Watkins. And, and from the sounds of it and the looks of it already has a little bit better chemistry with golf and, and even golf kind of transitioning into this, you know, second year fully into Sean McVay's offense and kind of getting better, being able to manage that offense a little bit more on his own and, and being able to throw the deep ball a little bit better. I think we're going to see them stay near the top of the league, probably in top five of the offense is kind of my hopes or expectations for them for what they're going to do this coming year. Is Sean McVay actually going to let Jared Goff play quarterback like a big boy this year and like run the line of scrimmage on his own? Or is he going to be, you know, be doing that hurry up thing and, and, uh, you know, in his ear up until the last second when they turn the, the headphones off on him? 
Hey, we're not breaking any rules here, and you know, God. I didn't say you broke you a know, rule. First year with. <laughs> I just with said John maybe McPhail. the train wheels come off. A lot of people off. were uh, questioning that over social media, but we're, you know, we're just we're just doing our thing. Goff was his first year last year with McVeigh. Um, McVeigh did an amazing job, and that's one of the uh, most common reports we're seeing coming out of camp is Goff's, uh, you know, progression and and you know maturity going into this year, he's becoming quite the leader on the offense. And, you know, you talk about, you know, he, he's had some, some movement in the coaching situation. We lost our offensive coordinator. We lost our quarterbacks coach, Greg Olson, and we had some moves. We moved our offensive line coach, um, Aaron Cromer to be a run game coordinator. Our tight ends coach Waldron is now passing game coordinator. I think that's a brand new title. Um, and <laughs> assistant wide receivers coach, Zach Taylor is now the new team's quarterback coach and Zach Taylor and Goff are getting along great. And I think Goff, has matured quite a bit. I don't know if uh, that's going to be called out quite as much as here at McVeigh, kind of giving him orders going up to the line. But, you know, that's, I think that's just one of the things people were able to point out last year and try to, you know, try to call out and, and you know, talk trash about. But, you know, every mention of Goff right now in, uh, during OTAs is, is just talking about the maturity and um, how much he's evolving as a, as a leader on this team. Yeah, and, and looking at Jared Goff and what he's done, I mean, he's almost, in, in a sense, was you know a rookie last year in that Ben Simmons style. Even though he played seven games, four of them were with a special teams, uh, you know, Bones as as his uh, head coach. So he didn't get a lot of fair run that first year, and it seemed really shaken as you saw. I mean, it was a horrible performance in his first year. A lot of people, you know, labeling a bust, and then to come back in year two. First year with with uh, McVeigh being able to take those leaps and bounds, so I'm expecting the same thing this year. Full off season with Sean McVeigh, and um, like James said, I'm expecting you know big steps from year two to three with with Jared Goff. You know, Adam, it's kind of cute just hearing these guys talk about the Rams, <laughs> and, and as far as especially like all of the talking points from the coaches, it's like getting it just filtered straight through. Everything's going great. The offseason, everybody's getting along so well. <laughs> you know, Jared Goff's five pounds lighter. He's got so much more zip on the ball than last year. Oh, everything's just going great. Yeah, I wish we had something to kind of about right now. I wish there was something to kind of say like, well, this seems questionable, which, you know, I think was probably our linebacking position. But, you know, we're on that glass half full. If there's if there's a question there, we're going to find an optimist uh, reason on, on why it could be great. But you're right. It's right now. It feels um, we and James have talked about this. It's almost kind of hard doing a podcast when you're so positive about everything. Those Jeff Fisher days, it was kind of fun to be able to rant for a little bit. Uh, they took Tavon Austin away from us. We can't even, you know, complain about that anymore. I mean, we're really struggling to find somebody to, to be upset about right now. Hey, we had a lot of time in the dark as Rams fans and, you know, we're finally adjusting to our new city. we got a new stadium on the way. You know, things are, things are looking up. We just got nothing but smiles over here. Yeah, the stadium's on the way now, not to mention the <laughs> fact that you guys got a little bit of rain once and it delayed it for an entire season. So I guess you have that to complain about. Yeah, that was pretty hey. funny, blaming the, the weather down here in Southern California, the rain. Oh, we and didn't not plan only that, on for, we, we, we yeah. just didn't plan for three days of rain uh, in the schedule. Yeah. So that's going to that's going to put us back a whole season. <laughs> it caused flooding. Great weather, you guys. Well, I mean, if there's some things that you guys should be concerned about, you know, is Todd Gurley's upcoming down year, because every time he has an up year, he has a down year following that. That's the trend mm. so far. It's been up, well, down, hey, up. If I could win a jersey on a down year with uh, Todd Gurley, things still hey. found a way to be pretty good that year. Oh, God. Well, yeah, just, uh, that's because you guys have hatchet men that went out there and broke Thomas Rawls' leg. 
That's what happened. All I needed. <laughs> That's all I needed was one guy to help me out. It didn't have to be my guy. It could have been someone else, but that works. You know, I will give uh, Jared Goff a little bit of credit, though, this offseason. And we saw him, you know, rank pretty highly. I think, what, number 36 in the NFL top 100. So getting the recognition of his peers. But uh, Jared Goff and that video he did for Red Bull, where he went undercover with the Ventura County football team as uh, <laughs> Dre Fogue, that that was good stuff. That was good stuff. We finally got to see him open up his personality a bit. I don't know if you've seen any of his press conferences early on, but he just, you know, he, he doesn't say much and um, wouldn't say he has the the most bold personality. But yeah, it was cool to kind of see him take on a character, do some acting. And, you know, Bear and I had a good time with that video. I, at first, I, you know, I was thinking, how could you not, how could you not in Ventura County, which is just basically where they train anyway? How could you not recognize that that's a quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams? But knowing that, you know, that article I wrote today about the Rams being second to last in <laughs> overall brand, it makes sense that the the team that's down the street from where they practice wouldn't even recognize a quarterback. So um, it was it was really cool. It was funny. A lot, a lot of the fans really enjoyed it. And apparently he's got a Twitter account now, Dre Fogg. So, um, you know, I wonder if that character is going to continue to roll. Yeah, I wonder who manages that account. Uh, burner account these days. <laughs> you know, I'm curious about one of your other quarterbacks because this is a guy that uh, when he came out in the draft, I knew he'd be drafted late and he got drafted by the Jags, but I thought that he had a shot to be a decent player. How has Brandon Allen looked in camp? Like, have you heard anything about him? Yeah, as far as the backup quarterbacks, it's going to be interesting. We also, um, we got an undrafted free agent and his name is slipping me right now, but Luis Perez. There it is. Yeah. So and and that kind of goes to the depth with Sean Mannion, who, if you don't know, James was lucky enough to get an autograph in camp last year. He fought through through a bunch of 12 year olds and got a very exciting autograph. But, um, you know, it's for me, it's really I don't want to say a a non story, but I kind of feel very comfortable with Mannion. It's, It's funny. It's not too long ago that a lot of people in the L.A. media were calling for him to be the starter over Jared Goff mm-hmm. as that season kind of came around. So um, that Oregon State connection with Brandon Cooks, uh, I think, you know, one of the reasons they talk about in practice, how they get along so well. But, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable with Sean Mannion. I, again, if you want to bring in some quarterbacks to push, I think everyone should have some motivation as far as, you know, trying to fight for your position, whether it's, you know, second string or third string. I don't see us carrying three quarterbacks, so I don't know how long he'll, he'll you know, really have a, you know, last onto the Rams roster. But, Again, another little piece in training camp that'll give, you know, me and James something to kind of talk about when we, when, you know, we run out of positive things to talk about. We can talk about our backup quarterback situation and what we're going to do. And, and how is James going to sell that hat on eBay if, he, if he's not on the roster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that hat. So, you know, that hat is basically useless because I got Manion's <laughs> autograph and I got Tremaine Johnson's autograph. And uh, now it's basically worthless. I'm not even going to wear it anymore. But a little story on the Sean Manion situation. Everybody was really talking about him, you know, maybe trying to start at the beginning of last season after Jared Goff's uh, year performance and uh, it's funny when I went over to get that autograph I was just standing there and I said to well first of all I had my hat out and he looked around to make sure that there was nobody else 
that needed an <laughs> autograph first. I was last on his list. He, it seemed like he just didn't want to give me an autograph. I was probably 20 years older than anybody else standing around me. Uh, but I said, hey, man, maybe you'll be starting this year. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about, old man? <laughs> it, was, uh, it wasn't my, my uh, most shining uh, moment, but I'm hoping to maybe get some actual starters autographs this year when we go to training camp. But yeah, I'm comfortable with Mannion. The other quarterbacks, we're just building depth back there and going to be developing them. But I, I honestly hope that uh, Mannion doesn't come in maybe until the last game of the season or something. Well, let's move to, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about receivers, but let's talk tight ends because Tyler Higby has his offseason regimen. Has it included like a lot of lotion to help soften up those stone hands of his? Oh, man. You know, it, that is, as we talk about camp battles, that's the other one that you could circle on, on the radar is, you know, you got Tyler Higby, who kind of became the man last year after we drafted Gerald Everett in the second round. Sean McVay's first pick as as an L.A. Rams head coach, he thought he was going to involve the tight end position a little bit more. If you look back to his days in Washington, that was a heavy set part of his offense was going through the tight end. Uh, he had a couple here, and then we also had Tamaric Hemingway, who uh, tore his ACL, MCL, uh, to start training camp last year, actually against the Chargers in a preseason game. Uh, he's back healthy. So there's a lot of people in that room as far as who can compete when asked about it. Uh, McVay basically said, you know, the cliche coach answer, and he likes everybody. But Tyler's really improved as far as being a run blocker as well. I think that's going to be maybe his biggest advantage is that they don't really have to move him and out him in and out depending on you know what they're going to call if it's a run or a pass that he can actually stay in there and effectively run the tight end position at any play call uh gerald everett we saw glimpses of it last year where he had great hands and you know had great speed with it and then i don't know he had a couple games where he had some drops i don't know if he fell out of coach's favor but we just didn't see him much uh near the end of the year and then with Hemingway, we talked about it, him coming back. He's a good-sized guy, uh, like 6'4", you know, 200-something pounds, and you know, he's good at blocking as well as catching. So it's going to be interesting. But, James, what, what are your thoughts on our tight end? The tight end situation, it's funny because we got five, we're five deep on the depth charts right now. We got uh, five tight ends, but I think Hemingway, who we haven't really had the chance to see at all, I think he's going to have, hopefully he's going to have a pretty decent year this year. And then Everett, you know, the structure of our offense currently, especially talking about Todd Gurley and the way he was able to also receive the ball quite a bit last year. Um, he had some pretty good stats as far as receptions and, and overall yards there, but uh, it just didn't seem like, you know, McVay coming from Washington and utilizing the tight end position really made it happen there and hopefully this year he'll be able to open up a little bit more but I'm expecting Everett to really step it up in Hemingway and Higby like Bear said he's you know he's a big dude he's going to be a great uh, pass blocker but I think he may fall to maybe second or maybe even third on the depth chart eventually Uh, I I don't know if he's a a huge favorite in that position but you know I I expect Everett to to continue to grow and uh, have more of a breakout year this year but you know it should be exciting to see how McVay is going to mix up this offense. Uh, you know, a lot of people really respect the offensive mind of Coach McVay. And, you know, you never know what he's going to bring to the table. He's going to adjust depending on every team that we play. And I'm really looking forward to what he's going to be able to do with this position. So what I'm hearing from both you guys, Sean McVay really likes tight ends. Yes and no, which is weird. I mean, we've got three, four, I mean, well, five of them, like James said, but three, I think, that really have a shot. But mm-hmm. last year, we thought he did, and it. I think, really, James almost answered it right there with saying Todd Gurley got a lot of those receptions. You know, a lot of yeah. that 
what we thought where Sean or um, where Jared Goff would kind of dump it across to a tight end or, you know, kind of those little five, six yard passes and let them do the work that all went to Todd Gurley. So, um, and then the, you know, a surgence of uh, Cooper cup who kind of came into the lineup and, you know, we knew he was going to be good, but we didn't expect really the, the all out numbers that he put together for us last year, even though they weren't enough numbers, right? Let's just say losing numbers. Uh, they weren't enough all purpose numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. It, we'll see if they get back to using the tight end. Uh, Cause they're there. We've got a bunch of them, but uh, if you're looking at the stats and how the ball spread around, they're not getting the love that you'd think they would get in a Sean McVay offense. All right, guys, you look around the league or around the division at all the other teams in the division. Which team is scaring you the most right now? Because everybody in the nation has decided that the Seahawks don't exist anymore. We're terrible. Uh, We lost everybody. We can't possibly compete. Jimmy Garoppolo, handsome Jimmy, uh, will probably go undefeated for the rest of his career. (laughs) You know, Bruce Arians has gone down in Arizona. David Johnson's going to be back. I know they lost everybody else, but they're going to be good because they drafted a rookie who can't play uh, at quarterback and then brought in uh, your guys' old buddy, uh, Sam Bradford to play quarterback and mentor uh, him for a bit. Which team has really got you guys at least concerned the most? Well, it's funny. Bear and I were kind of having this conversation earlier via text, and we were just talking about facing the Seahawks and saying, you know, no matter how you feel about them, it's always going to be a good rivalry between us two. But speaking of the overall division, I'm kind of nervous about how the 49ers are going to step up. they got a young offensive-minded coach, Jimmy G's. I think he's going to be a pretty decent quarterback. We didn't – you know, we saw some some good stuff coming out of it next year. I think the 49ers fans are just – kind of obnoxiously optimistic at this point, but uh, I, I see him as a threat and I see them, you know, probably fall number two in the division behind the Rams here. But um, yeah, I'd have to point. Wow, my to the you 49ers. got the Niners head uh, finishing above the Seahawks this year for real. I sure do. I sure do. So that's cute. I'll, I'll, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll switch gears. Bear not, and, may not agree. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Um, it's close. I think. I think they're going to be the ones that give you guys the biggest push. Uh, hearing you talk about the you know new offensive line coordinator and what you guys are going to do up front. Hopefully, really, I'm banking on that for getting you guys kind of being more balanced in a sense to where Russell Wilson doesn't have to do you know 95 percent of everything. Uh, I think that was a big way on him. Obviously, when we got to that, the last Rams Seahawks game, it's almost like your whole team just was out of gas, right? You guys were down 20 something points within the first like five minutes, it felt like. But in overall, uh, they just looked like ran out of gas at the end of the year. He was doing so much, he was taking so many hits, he had to do everything for the team, uh, even to scrape and claw back into game so many times. And the defense was a little bit banged up throughout the year. Uh, but I think a little. you can't count. Yeah, yeah. I, what I kind of told James in a sense, and it's it's a stretch, but I, I said that he Russell Wilson kind of reminds me of having this like LeBron quality to where like it doesn't matter who's around him. He elevates people so far above their game and gives the Seahawks a chance to win every time they step on the field because of him. He's that good. Uh, so I expect with kind of, you know, adding additions in the run game, which was Russell Wilson last year, you know, in, in consistent offensive line play – and being healthy, obviously, like every team is going to be huge. But I think Seahawks are going to use this to kind of put that chip on the shoulder because they're no dummies. Everyone's hearing what's going on. Everyone's kind of crowning the Niners to, 
you know, maybe be the next one to take on the Rams. And, and slowly the Seahawks are getting put closer and closer next to the Cardinals. And that's just got to piss off anybody in the division. If you're, if you're, you know, being put closer to the Cardinals instead of closer to the top of the division. So I think they're going to really use it as motivation and come in as, uh, you know, Pete Carroll's a guy that can coach him up and, you know, can, he said it kind of remind him of his first year when Russell Wilson, you know, took over the team, that young, youthful, no one's kind of given a shot. So I think he's really going to play that role the whole year and kind of build that underdog mentality in them. And I think they're going to be the ones that are really going to end up being chasing us because I do have us at the top of the division. You don't, you know, have the number one offense in the league and then stockpile your your defense and not think that you're going to go back out and win the division. You know, they're looking at goals further than just winning the division. So I do have the Rams on top. I do have Seahawks second with Niners being so close, almost a coin flip at times, depending on how health goes and really what Jimmy G is. Because again, we saw him last year win five games in a row at the end of the season when he was playing our backup, you know, our second string defense. And my boy you know, Manion. Yeah, and, and Jacksonville, uh, you know, they had a couple of their guys out there. But, you know, I think it was uh, Jalen Ramsey had said the other day he didn't deserve to be in the top 100 because he thinks he's, you know, it was more of a scheme thing more than a performance thing. Uh, but we'll see how that all kind of plays out. He's got to play a whole season this year. Can he stay healthy? Can, you know, the team uh, put together an offense and defense that can, you know, put them in the win column? And can they go and win on the road? That's one thing that Rams did so well last year. I think we had eight, seven or eight road victories last year. It was un- unreal. Uh, but you got to go do that in this division. You got to be able to, you know, either sweep teams like the Cardinals or, you know, go win two somewhere uh, in the division or at least split. So, and yeah, Arizona way down there. I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do at quarterback and how healthy Bradford can be throughout the year. And if we even see uh, the Rook at all, but David Johnson back, that's exciting, but I still think they've got a long way to go, but I think they're going to be a better team than they were last year. I think overall the division as a whole is going to be a lot better, but uh, I still got you guys at number two. All right, guys. So official record prediction for the Seahawks this year. And then I have a prediction for you guys about your season. And then I think we should come up with another bet because I'm feeling it. Well, before before we get to their prediction, I want to hear from James. Will Cooper Cup be offensive MVP or entire team MVP? Or league MVP. <laughs> or league MVP. Exactly. I got to watch my mouth with you, Brandon, on the Cooper <laughs> Cup uh, statements because I like to be bold with him. He, you know, he went to the same college as me, and he's, he's one of my favorite offensive players. I think he's going to really step it up this year and do some great things for our offense, but he's probably going to be the number two receiver overall when it comes to yards. I'm not ready to make any bold predictions about Cooper Cup. I don't want to jinx anything for my boy. <laughs> Uh, I, I do have one question for you wow, guys. You are quick, down on Cooper about. Cup. He will not be <laughs> hey, the top I mean, receiver for the Rams. I don't. I hope Cooper's Cup's arms are insanely long <laughs> so he can unlodge that knife stuck squarely behind his shoulder blades. Uh, like, yeah. I just hope that his his hands get a little more sticky this year. He misses. He missed a couple imperative catches last year. Oh yeah, and, we uh, know. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't have won me yeah. the bet. But uh, I just hope that he's work on that. He's getting. He got some new gloves this year, uh, possibly. But I got I got to tell you, they you know that video wasn't easy to make and uh, I, I just got to say I hope that jersey's treating you well hey, dude I'm wearing it right now uh, I was hoping you would be I, 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 I do want to ask you guys real quick just talking to the 49ers you know uh, a team we both hate uh, what's what's the vibe with Richard Sherman is he hated by Seahawks fans or is it just kind of like a don't you know you don't talk about it type of deal what's what's going on there it well, really, hurts a little bit yeah yeah it, it hurts mm-hmm. a little bit now I think Brandon we've seen kind of a wide range of reactions from fans. 
But I think for the most part, like I, and I'll let Brandon kind of chime on in this too. I, I, I don't hate the guy at all. Like I hope his team loses every Catfish. game this year and like <laughs> by blowouts. I hope he gets, I hope it's just terrible, but I hope for him as a person, his life continues on very well and his kids are healthy and his wife is good. He's still a good dude. Like I've met his mom. Nice lady. I hope they're all, I hope they're all on a personal level. Fantastic. No hatred in my heart for him whatsoever. If I was him, I totally get it. I'd probably try to go to a division rival too. Um, so just, it's not a problem for me. And I think that's what probably stung Seahawks fans the most was it just the fact that he had just been cut and immediately, it just immediately goes to the 49ers and, yeah. and signs on with them. He could have gone anywhere else except for the Rams. And and probably <laughs> the Seahawks fans would have said, you know what, I I'm still rooting for the guy. But then, but when he goes to San Francisco, you know, it just it makes it hard to root for. But as he brought us so many great moments as Seahawks fans, you know, you still I don't have a place to where I could to where I could hate the guy for it, right? Even even a little yeah. bit of sports hate, I I can't do it. I, he's he's meant that much to the Seahawks team over the years that now I won't root for him but I won't root for him to perform poorly. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty legendary on the Seahawks, and it doesn't look like you guys, he's going to, 49ers are going to be in Seattle in, it uh, looks like, December 2nd, so it's going to be a while till uh, the fans get to react, but I'm, you know, that's, your guys' stadium is so incredibly loud. I'm, I, I, are we expecting a lot of boos or, uh, or, uh, I hope not. Uh, probably yeah, I hope not, but I hope yeah. not, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think it's going to be man? too hard to resist. I think it's going to be too hard to resist. To he may get he may get some love at the beginning, but then you got to get when it comes game time. They're going to you know get back into what they do best and being you know the rowdy twelves up there. But I, it was it was interesting to me because that article that he put out, kind of explaining the situation for me, is when I kind of even became more on Richard Sherman's side as far as the, how the situation unfolded and then you know he was pretty honest about you know being able to stick in the division and be able to come up and you know kind of stick it to the Seahawks twice a year was kind of part of the motivation which as you know not a a former athlete at that level but understanding kind of how you how that would be really fun for you to be able to stick in the division and you know go and and do that so uh pretty interesting though with with the whole Richard Sherman stuff uh randomly found my way onto his I had an Instagram ad that came across he still got seahawks uh, gear available on his website if you guys want to get your last chance at it <laughs> yeah, I know so right? on clearance. <laughs> yeah yeah i had to unsubscribe from the uh the gmail newsletter like couldn't do it anymore just couldn't see him in the <laughs> niners colors man like i hated tasting that much throw up in my mouth you know <laughs> all the photoshop pictures of him in his 49ers gear yeah that's yeah I, there were some Seahawks fans that for just a few days, we were hopeful that uh, Michael Crabtree might sign with the Seahawks. And then we could recreate the moment uh, in the end zone where Crabtree actually catches it over the top of Richard Sherman. And You were uh, the to- only one hoping for that. Yeah, It's pretty funny. I talked to someone uh, on, through the Locked On podcast network that I also do podcasts with, with the San Francisco 49ers. And, and I asked him that same question, but in the you know flip role, how was San Fran when he came? And he said it was pretty funny how fast you, know, you can go from hating a guy to loving a guy, and especially having 
Crabtree, you know, formerly in town as well. And they went from just loving that guy, even after he left to kind of being like, uh, yeah, we're going to let go loving that guy as much now, now that we got this guy on our team and, and how sports will do that to you. You know, you can be dead passionate about hating somebody and then they join your team and you may have to take a second to soak in, but then you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get with them. And, and the turnaround he said from hating Richard Sherman to now how excited people are, just kind of shows you how, what sports will do, uh, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, hating and loving people. I mean, that's what, what's what fandom is for yeah. sports, right? I mean, there's so many guys where you look at them and yeah, you know, they just, they grind on you because, and part of it is because of their talent. Right. And you think, ah, oh, there's no way I could ever like that guy. And then, and part of it is too, you don't pay attention to all the good stuff. A lot of these players do off of the football field. And you're like, Oh wow. So Richard Sherman really does a lot of stuff in the community. And, and he, right. and you know, you, you start to notice those types of things and it makes you realize, yeah, a lot of these guys are just good dudes, but they crush you on game day. And, and that's, that's a little bit hard to take. Must be an exercise for you guys though, uh, in this area, because I mean, you brought in, you know, a couple of the dirtiest players in the league when it comes to Sue and keep to and, uh, you know, knucklehead Marcus Peters hissy fits yeah. uh, in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so you guys kind of, I mean, you kind of have to learn to love some guys that are kind of genuinely hateable. Yeah. I actually am really enjoying it right now because, you know, this isn't, you know, the, the nice league, you know, you're not here to make you know buddies with other people. And, <laughs> and it is, it is one of those players that you see for a long time. And you're like, God, I really hate that guy, but you hate him because he's not on your team. Now he's on your team. You're really excited for other people to hate him. Like, I can't wait to see Ndamukin Sue throw around Russell Wilson and maybe do something a little sketchy, you know, <laughs> that's going to kind of rile you guys up and, you know, start calling us and calling them names and stuff. That, that, that kind of stuff excites me. And, and Marcus Peters, I mean, him, he does it in, in a funny manner to me personally. I mean, that, when he threw that flag up in the stands uh, last year when, when he was in uh, Kansas City, I was dying. I mean, he wasn't on my team. And I didn't have to, you know, feel that 15-yard penalty. Uh, but we're excited about uh, Tlaib, who hopefully, even though himself has those same, you know, issues at times throughout the years. I mean, obviously, we just talked about Crabtree. He's, t- he's taken two of the man's change uh, for, you know, for goodness sake. And we'll see them uh, too. And so that's going to be fun to watch that matchup. But yeah, I'm excited about these guys to see kind of how they can kind of mature a little bit or not, or what, how McVay is going to let them be themselves or old man Phillips. How are you going to, you know, reel them in a little bit? Those are a lot of question marks that people are asking about this team. So, but I'm embracing it. I, I love the bad boys. That was one of the big questions, too, and we were receiving a lot of these players is, you know, they're a lot pretty big, bold personalities. And, you know, they've done some questionable stuff in the past. And how is Sean McVay, the youngest head coach in the NFL, going to be able to handle these big personalities? And, uh, you know, we got to look at the reciprocal of that and talk about Mr. Wade Phillips, who has who has been in the NFL for so long and uh, has is thought of highly with these guys, especially Tlaib, who used to be honest. He has spent his whole freaking <laughs> career. Like, it I find it hilarious over. that you guys are pinning your hopes on Wade Phillips being the guy who's going to pull this whole thing together. Okay, I've been holding well, back to my prediction. Because I think there's all, a sentiment. It's been all sunshine and roses for you guys for months, and I've had enough. So here's how your season's <laughs> going to go. I'm just giving you a heads up so you can get into counseling early because this is going to be a rough Catfish. year for you guys. This whole thing is setting up perfect for the demise of the Los Angeles Rams, the team that is the media darling, the media darling in the offseason every year always struggles and most often misses the playoffs. 
History has shown us oh, when boy. you try to go out and buy a Super Bowl, <coughs> Philadelphia Eagles, and build a super team in one quick offseason, it doesn't end well. And then you brought in some of the biggest dirt balls in the league in Sue and Tlaib. Then you bring in a couple uh, guys who have been abandoned in their prime when they're super talented people in uh, Cooks and um, Peters, and you bring all of these guys in, this giant knucklehead factor, and you're hoping your frat boy of a coach and Wade Teddy Bear Phillips is going to bring this all back together and, and get control that locker room. No way in hell that happens. And on top of all of that, the whole league, which is smart, by the way, has a whole offseason to go over Sean McVay tape and actually figure things out. And when you guys struggle out of the gate and have a loss or two right out of the gate, the pressure of all those offseason expectations is going to come crumbling down like your crappy Coliseum. And the whole thing is going to go in the catfish. I predict eight and eight for the Los Angeles Rams in a second place finish in the division. Oh my goodness. Hey, you can't wait for your apology letter. I think he just made his own bet right there with our with our record. Hey, you can't you can't be angry around Papa Wade, man. Nobody nobody uh, can be mean around that guy. He's just a happy fella, and he, he's happy to be here. And eight and eight, oh my goodness! You know, first couple of games of the season, we're going to see some real challenges when we play the Raiders on Monday Night Football game one. But then we got the Cardinals, and then the fight for LA Chargers, and we're going to stomp them right away. So I love your prediction, Adam. Eight and eight. I mean, I I I don't know. I'd be willing to throw some throw a little bet on that on that uh, that bold prediction. There. There. Let him breathe a second. Let him breathe. He got going. I don't think he truly <laughs> meant eight and eight. He got a little fired up. I get you where might, he's coming you might from. Send, a lot you of might sell stuff, me but... on nine and seven, but I just know how comfortable you guys are with eight and eight. Like how how much that uh, is a is a record that the Rams seem to you know really that. strive for. Yeah. That. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sticking to eight and eight. I think yeah. Eight and eight, man. We're gonna we're gonna have eight wins by like week ten. You're going to have eight suspensions by week 10, man. (laughs) (laughs) That also could be true. I just, I've had, as a Seahawks fan, I'm not going to lie. I've had enough of hearing about the Rams this offseason. Good God. I can't imagine, especially in the NFC West. But like James said, man, it's been a long time since we've gotten some actual street cred nationally without having to say like, oh, they've got. Uh, you know, Sam Bradford or talking about these guys that never truly did it and kind of trying to hype a situation that never really got there and finally being able to, you know, collect 11 wins, host a home playoff game. I think there's some value in actually what's going on here. You talked about them getting a whole year of tape on Sean McVay. I think what uh, Sean McVay is going to be able to show this year is you can have all the tape you want right now. He's so creative offensively. If you look at some of that game film and watch some of those plays, some of that stuff you don't just you just don't see in the NFL. The guy's willing to kind of put anything out there. So I don't care if you got a year of tape on him or not. I don't think it's going to be enough. Plus, go back to Washington Redskins. They've had tape on this guy for a long time as far as the way that he's controlled an offense. I don't think it's going to make a difference whether one year in L.A., as the head coach compared to being an offense coordinator for a while out there in DC. So I, I eight wins. Woo, man, you are, you've yeah. got one of the, the few people out there with eight wins on the board for the Rams. And you know what? That's why we love talking to you guys. You just never know what's coming. I just think the hype is a year early for you guys. I mean, because you were just talking as we started out on the podcast, you're like, yeah, two years ago when we started this thing, we were terrible. And then we, you know, we had Jeff Fisher. And got rid of him, and then like one one good year with McVeigh, and now you guys are winning the Super Bowl. 
I just have a really hard time. It's not always linear. You don't always progress to awesomeness, like perfectly linear. Like there's, right. there's steps back. And like, you know, you guys kind of mentioned earlier, the idea of like duplicating being the number one offense, that's going to be hard to do. Now you may still be a very good offense, but doing it year in and year out, like I need to see it first. I'm sorry from the, from the kid coach. Well, there's a, there's linear growth and there's exponential growth because and decline. You know, it, it, we've we've only added to this. That's true. Um, and you guys should be able to speak to the decline. You were in a nine and seven last year, and I think I feel <laughs> yeah, a little bit uh, jealousy here. coming on because uh, you're you're you don't like all the media attention that we're getting. But maybe it's just because nobody's talking about the Seahawks this year. Oh, they're talking about us plenty. They're all talking about how the implosion has totally happened when we finished <laughs> nine and freaking seven. Like are we are we saying like that was our big bad down year nine and seven? Good yeah, I Lord. think the forty five to whatever win you know to really keep your playoff hopes alive is really what you know imploded the Seahawks talk really as far as you know losing the step on the division. I mean, when you can't when you used to be the scariest place in the NFL to play, and your division rival comes in and and smacks you up like that so good near the end of the season when playoff you know, implications are on the line. It catches the attention of the NFL as far as like, man, things are happening. And, and some of the big weaknesses that we talked about seemed not to be addressed. I know you talked about bringing in a coach, but he can't play on the field. I know his scheme's going to go out there, but it's going to be interesting to see how fast you talked about growth from one year to the next and what to expect. How fast can he get in there and change what they have been doing for a while and, and moving that offense, not only through Russell Wilson with a, with a rookie running back, Nonetheless, so a lot of question marks and I, I get it, you know, but I think really as far as, you know, looking at the division and, and the way it's set up and, and what the Rams did, I agree with you getting back to back years as the number one offense, you know, it would be amazing, but it's a long shot. But to, to think that we're going to fall, you know, out of a certain range, I'd love to hear where you think, because, you know, are you thinking maybe they fall out of the top 10 or out of the top five or where, would, where, do, where do you see them going? Well, wait a second, Bear. I want to go back. You were downplaying the impact of a coach after having I, Sean McVay come to the team and completely turn the, the Rams from a, a four win team to a to a playoff team. And you're and you're and you're downplaying the impact that a coach can have because there weren't a whole what, uh, Andrew Whitworth. That was your one big signing. Sammy Watkins, I guess which you mentioned that he wasn't much help outside of the red zone. So Sullivan eh. as the center was another big key part, which okay. also allowed to move some of the other guys around that were on the right side. We you know, we brought over. Sapple to to the left. He he did it great over there, and I get it. That's that's a great point. You kind of caught me on my own on my own <laughs> saying earlier. But my difference, I guess, would be is Sean McVay involvement in the whole offense versus this guy having the offensive line. And you know how many guys? You know maybe I'm just out of the loop on the offensive line genius whirlpool, but. Uh, you know, guys come in and can make such a big difference on a whole offense while just controlling the offense line. I guess that's my, my comparison would be a guy that runs the whole offense versus, you know, your offensive line. How much can he really change the whole offense? Well, and I'm not going to point to Brian Schottenheimer either as being this offensive genius that could come in and make a huge difference either. I mean, that's kind of Pete Carroll, clearly a defensive minded coach versus offensive minded. I think in the offseason when we fired our offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, we would have liked to seen uh, them go into uh, 
more of a direction of an offensive coach who is a little bit more innovative. So it, it can oh, make and a has difference. had success, maybe. Right. Yeah. Who's had success? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, uh, there's a lot to see with how the Seahawks are going to go on offense. And, uh, but it is more of a focus on the running game. And if you can protect Russell Wilson a little bit more, whether it's offensive line up front or actually having some sort of running game versus having none at all, that's going to make a big difference for the team. Yeah, it just has to go from like dead last to like close okay. to league average. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, we got we got a much better shot to to win games. I mean, I, I guess the, the one thing to like they just Brandon and I talked about it on the podcast the other day. I think the team slogan this year is the Seattle Seahawks. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can believe that. I can believe that. Eight and eight's a little bit drastic for me for a prediction for the Rams, but I I, I would make my bet on on this then because I, I'm not backing off of uh, of the Rams having a much bigger struggle fest than everybody else seems to to think. I would bet that the Seahawks just place above the Rams in the divisional standings. Ooh, okay. Wow. Okay. That I mean. That excites me because I feel like, you know, <laughs> here I was giving you guys second place not too long ago. But like I said, it was a, it was a coin toss almost to where, you know, I could see you guys third. So uh, I'd like it. I mean, I would not be against that one because I honestly think the Rams win this division by two games. So, uh, you know, that's where I stand. Eight and eight is, you know, wow. I, I get it. That's all I got for an eight and eight uh, prediction. But you're right. A lot of things happen really fast. Uh, you start adding pieces, you start adding pressure, you start kind of doing those other things. Can they go back and perform the same next year? I say yes. You're saying no. Only one way to find out, right? Let the boys play. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. It's going to be a, an interesting season one way or the other. In some ways for us as Seahawks fans, it's been an exciting year. Just in the fact that we're now finally starting to see some changes and and, and you know kind of take a little bit of a different direction and some new faces to root for and that sort of thing. So there's some fun in that as well. I'm going to have fun watching the Rams go from seeing them play a third place schedule to seeing them play a first place schedule and actually having maybe a little bit of a target on their back versus being kind of that underdog type team. Yeah, I guess that's the one thing I got to, you know, be careful of is, is as I get talking 11, 12 wins here and get excited is, you know, stepping back and seeing you know, some of the teams that we have to play and the Eagles and the Packers and the Saints and the Vikings and, you know, the up and coming Bears, you know, if you may. And then obviously ah. two, two, two games, uh, uh, you know, against Seahawks and, and Niners and then that team down in Arizona. But it's, it's a pretty challenging schedule for sure. I'll give you that. And uh, we're going to be test this year, but it's gonna be a lot of good football to watch as well. I don't know. I heard James had uh, the Rams going 14 and two. That doesn't sound like a challenging schedule. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I've, like Bear mentioned, I you know there are a few teams I'm I'm worried about. Of course, I want to be optimistic with my boys, but you know, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, uh, the Eagles. I don't know how great they will be at the end of the season in December when we face them, but they worry me at this point, and the Saints as well. And to be honest, you know we really have a true test. Everybody's going to be watching the first Monday Night Football game of the season and the Raiders. I'm not so much worried about the team as I, as I am with, with John Gruden. And we talked about studying film and studying the way McVay works. Well, if anybody can break down Sean McVay and the way he uh, produces this offense, it's going to be John Gruden. 
somebody that McVeigh has grown up uh, looking up to. So um, that's going to be a great game. It's really going to be telling how the rest of the next few weeks are going to play out for us when we face uh, the Raiders late on Monday Night Football. But, um, you know, I'm, I got to say I'm, I'm a little nervous about that game as well. You know, I'll jump in really quick. I think Gruden's a, a TV coach. He doesn't scare me too much. I think he's going to last a couple of years in the league and jump back to the booth where he's more comfortable. Uh, but it is obviously first game of the season on the road. I think there is a big challenge there. Uh, you know, Cleo Mack and that defense and what they can do. And then, you know, who is, you know, Derek Carr in this new offense should be interesting. But eight and eight, whew, I'll just circle back to that with a, with a <laughs> breath of air. And, and uh, it's going to be fun. Definitely, you're making it fun for us, Adam. You're definitely making it fun. Well, to kind I'll, of watch I'll tell you what, pick your, pick your win total and then add one to that because the Seahawks are just going to have one more win. So I don't, it could be eight and eight, nine and seven, 10, six. I don't really care. All I know is the Seahawks are going to have one more win is all I'm getting at. I see, I see a sweep in the Seahawks this year. You guys got lucky on a Cooper Cup drop in the end zone. The Rams now know they can That's dominate pretty normal up for in him. Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> the Rams know they can you know, dominate up there in Seattle. So I think they're uh, going to be comfortable coming back up there. But, man, you guys are going to have to beat us to be ahead of we've us. Heard a, we've heard a lot of justification on how strong this Rams team is going to be this year. But I'd like to hear a little from Adam on on the reasoning behind uh, one extra win over the Rams. I mean, you know, as we said, not too much exciting stuff going on in the offseason, as much braggable uh, stuff as the Rams have going on. So what's, uh, what's some of your reasoning behind that? Well, first off, the whole demise of the Seattle Seahawks, that whole narrative is absolutely hysterical to me. The idea that... We played the majority of the season without Cam Chancellor, Cliff Averill, Richard Sherman. Uh, who else, Brandon? Like, give, give me uh, yeah, even Bobby more. Bobby Wagner was was hurt for that game against the Rams. Exactly. So we, without all of those dudes, without all of those dudes, we still went nine and seven. So and the and the front office made maybe the worst decision in franchise history by signing Blair Walsh. In the offseason last year <laughs> to kick field goals. Yeah, lost like, we three had games. to fight that. Lost one game because because Coach Carroll had a brain fart against the Falcons and missed the playoffs by one game. And this team is done. We had a quarterback that should have been the MVP of the league. We actually brought in a different voice and a different vision to turn around the offensive line. We brought in DJ Fluker, who's an amazing run blocker and getting back to our roots and running the football. Chris Carson, who showed a ton of promise, but then got injured, has a very much a chance to be that big bruising back that we all hope uh, that he can be. Also enter Rashad Penny. Now, while I don't agree with the pick, supposedly a wildly talented guy. Let's we'll we'll see about that. Absolutely. But Tyler Lockett back to finally full strength. He talked about not being a full strength all of last year, yet still had a very productive year. Doug Baldwin, one of the most underrated receivers in the entire league. We talked about the uh, linebackers earlier, KJ and Bobby, two of the best in the league, maybe you know the best duo of linebackers in the whole league. You still got Earl Patrol in the middle, and it, you got uh, Shaquille Griffin, who had an amazing rookie season, who's only going to be better uh, playing left corner and re-signed Byron Maxwell to play the right side of the field. And while he sucks when he's on any other team, he's a hell of a corner number two when he's a Seahawk. Proved it again last year when he stepped in for Richard Sherman. Then you talk about the defensive line loaded with young talent. This team is not 
<laughs> is not in a, a, a state like the 49ers have been the last two, three years where they're just devoid of talent. There's a massive amount of talent still on this team. They won nine games with a bunch of guys getting injured, and now they've had a chance to actually address those injuries and those departures and bring in fresh talent to fill those gaps. I just There is no possible way I can see them taking a step back. Well, they're going to be challenged early on in the year. You know, I kind of just quick pulled up their schedule. Three of the first four games on the road at Denver, yep. at Chicago, home versus Dallas, at Arizona. And then week five, you get the Rams up in Seattle. Uh, it's going to be a, a, quite a test to start the season to see if this a lot of that stuff you just said will come to fruition. Because to hang in this division, I think, as you mentioned about the Rams struggling early on in the year, I think you're going to have to come out of the gate and win some ball games. And three out of the four, four on the road <laughs> could be tough. No. This team, this team is a traditionally a slow starter. That's what we do every single year. Stumble out of the blocks. Everybody writes off the Seahawks. And then we rat, run back and, and rattle off like eight, nine wins in a row and end up winning the division and, you know, go into the playoffs. Happens every year the, under Pete Carroll. That's the division of old, my friend. This is a, this is a, <laughs> this is a new division with some new young guns in it, a.k.a. Jared Goff and Jimmy G. You're going to have to be strong all the, all throughout the whole year. Uh, to make the playoffs. You, you saw can last grab Jimmy year. Garoppolo and Jared Goff together and take their best strengths, put them together, and I'd still take Russell Wilson over both those guys. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm starting to hear a bet come together between Bear and Adam. Now, I guess the question is, do James and I, do, we, do all four of us get involved yes. in some kind of bet this year? I think we have to. We did the one-on-one, then the one-on-one, yeah. and I think it's time to get, you know, that way everyone's got some money in it. Because last year, I was, I was hurting as, <laughs> as I had to watch my boy sit there and lose and every, every game pull up and see how many return yards uh, your boy had and, and Cooper Cup. We, we thought we had a moment. We, you know, they moved Tavon Austin out of the punt return, and I thought, James, we got a shot, man. Yeah. And <laughs> then we put back... It was Carol. an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, we put back <laughs> Carol Cooper. He ends up being, you know, a... a uh, pro bowler, but uh, I thought he was going to get a shot there and it never really came to fruition. But yeah, I think it's, it's time uh, we get, get all four involved. All right. So bear, I, what I learned out of this is you're a much more compassionate podcast co-host than Brandon is. I think he took great joy watching me try to run that 40 in the snow and fall on my face like four times. Well, oh, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the cone drill. I mean, I don't know how many takes we had to do because I, I was shaking so bad from laughing watching James. He, he kept going, I got to do another one. I was like, yeah, I didn't. I don't think I got you in frame there. We got we to gotta run it again. Boy, was I out of shape. Yeah, watching him run on the beach was, was, was tons of fun. Don't get me wrong there, but... Uh, throughout the season, I just don't like seeing the Seahawks be winning in any form or fashion, whether it's on the field or in a bet. So uh, that was my struggle. But the cone drill, that was worth all the while. Hey, well, I was on the sun. I got some exercise. We were at the beach. You know, <laughs> we weren't too cold. It, I can't complain too much. It was it was OK. I just hated losing. Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I did when the jersey came in the mail was find a good dry cleaner because I, I just I couldn't have any of that uh, still left on the jersey from from being at the beach. It just it seemed like bad, All the uh, sand? bad hawker to me. Oh, the, yeah. the Rams, the Rams, Juju? Yeah, but a little bit of both, right? Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. If you knew how many times we, we uh, you know, put the Todd Gurley jersey on top of that to, to rub it in and maybe, you know, try <laughs> to give you guys a little luck or something. But yeah. I think I blew my nose on it a couple times, too. <laughs> hey, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's an ugly-ass green color, man. Those are the worst jerseys. I'm digging it. I, I like this a lot. I know. I can't the wait. green's disgusting. It, it makes you stand out in the crowd. I, I like it. 
And seeing so at, and York, just the fact that James had to wear it out on the beach uh, in L.A. <laughs> yeah, I, that was yeah, that was part of my of thinking. Stairs. Yeah. Yeah. People were like, <laughs> we got a lot trying, of stairs yeah, trying to start a fight right now. What's this guy doing? And it was like, you know, 85 degrees. He's got this non breathable jersey on running cone drills. People were like, what are, what are these people doing? And Bear's just like one more take. Let me get it from this angle. Do it again. It was just like sweat my ass off. All so right. Adam, so I, so I get us going. Uh, you, Break it down. What, what do we have again here? Okay, so just whoever's team uh, finishes ahead in the division. Okay. Rams or Seahawks. All right. Yeah. Sign me up. Oh, Barry gets an yeah. easy bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an easy one to lose. It's going to be fun. Well, let me tell you where I'm excited about, James, uh, w- with my particular players, because on the offensive side of the ball, uh, clearly, I'll take Russell Wilson against Jared Goff in anything, any stat, except for maybe interceptions, because uh, I know uh, Jared Goff will probably throw more. So uh, I, <laughs> I would take Russell in anything there. Uh, Doug Baldwin, clearly going to be uh, more of a, a touchdown reception machine than uh, even even your new dude, Brandon Cooks. So I'm, I'm excited about our guys on offense. On the defensive side of the ball, Shaquille Griffin. Uh, I know you're excited about both Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters on the team. Uh, Shaquille Griffin will finish with more interceptions than, than either of those two players. And, uh, you know, Frank Clark, our guy on the, the that's left on the defensive line, I'm predicting him to have a pretty good year, too, in terms of uh, sack numbers. So uh, we got a lot of different ways we can go. Lots of chew on, and we may need to, to continue this conversation, but I do like we were heads out with the yards for Wilson. You know, I had uh, almost 4,000 last year. Jared Goff was about 3,800, so we are close with the addition of Brandon Cooks. Um, feeling pretty confident about, you know, I think that's a pretty fair bet for overall yards between our quarterbacks. And I, you know, when you said Griffin's going to get more interceptions than, uh, than Peters, uh, who currently leads the league right now, I don't know if uh, I agree with you there. So I'd be willing to go down either of those roads hey can you phone a friend i'd stay away from the quarterback battle just out of a uh, you know that's a phone a friend here i think See, we all okay. get a couple lifelines i i love me some jared goff but but uh you know especially with how much todd Gurley can contribute on the ground and uh you know who knows with sean McVay may have cooper cup throw a couple more passes like he did last year i uh, uh i mean that's just See, Bear, I, you know, I, I like sense. it we're, we're both trying to save our boys because you know brandon brought up this interception thing i was like dude there's <laughs> so much that goes into you know how many interceptions a guy gets in a year you know i mean it's just it's it's a stat that's not entirely about a player's ability you know it's about opportunity and just I, it's just it's a tough one man i don't know well, let's do the interception thing. I mean, Bear got a Bear got a hand me. Wait, yeah, wait you know. a second. Bear got an easy one. <laughs> oh, it got me. Yeah, if, if my co-host gets to bail me out on one, then uh, I, I'm kind of leaning toward the yards thing now for for the quarterbacks. <laughs> well, you guys did have the the sack one was in there too. I mean, that, I don't know where everyone stands on that one, but um, you know, if I were if I had a vote for James. I would probably go for the. Uh, I would root for him to get the interception one. Well, but, I, but like, I do want I do want a Griffin cool. jersey more than a Clark jersey, though. So that's, I guess, kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I can go both ways, Adam. You know, with the variables and and you know, you saw it personally when when um, you know Rawls got injured. You never know with the health of either player and and what happens. And then we also we've got so many guys on the defense side of the ball 
collecting interceptions from what we feel like as well. So my next question, if that was to be the one, is, you know, I guess James kind of said he'd go Peters, but it's it's tough, man. There's a lot of guys on that team who can suck up some interceptions. So yeah, that's some incentive for you, Brandon. I mean, we we have uh, Talib who could get who could kind of split the bill there with Peters. So even though I'm feeling confident about Peters now, you never know what's going to happen this season. What sort of opportunities they're going to face? So you know, it could be risky for me to to vote on Peters on that side. So All right. well, you got to pick uh, one of the guys. I'm going with Peters. All right, I tried to help, dude. Peters and Griffin. Right, let's do Peters and Griffin. Man, can we start the season like this Sunday? <laughs> I, I, miss, I miss live football, and there's nothing better when you get a couple things on the board. And uh, when my Rams go up by two or three games in the division, it's going to be even better. <laughs> I, I was talking about where they finished. I didn't really care what happened early. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, now the next thing is to come up with the uh, the terms of of what happens when uh, Adam and I both win. Like. Well, maybe well, that's hey, something we'll I, put out to the listeners. Yeah, hey, the, yeah, yeah and you guys yeah. could do the same with your listeners, and we'll see if we can come up with some good stakes. But we know, like but it. we know what the like bet it. will be about. Perfect. Everyone's involved. I, I love that aspect. It was tough sitting out last year, thinking, <laughs> "Man, I, I need to get something from Adam again." That was too easy year one. Yeah, Bear was wearing his Todd Gurley jersey everywhere he went, just like <laughs> winter alert. And uh, I'm sitting over here sweating all the time watching Cooper Cup drop the ball. So and and not play on special teams. So uh, you know, I think I think Bear is glad to be involved again this year. Yeah, we got a couple good ones. I'm excited, guys. All right, guys. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on once again. And uh, everybody, if you want to follow along, why don't you guys give your uh, Twitter accounts? Because, you know, this is going to be fun once the season starts. Our our Seahawks fans uh, may want to follow. And and, uh, especially when the Rams get out to a slow start and you guys are down, they're they're probably going to want to see what you guys are saying. Of yeah. course. Well, you can find us at Rams Podcast on Twitter, of course, on Instagram as well. And then my personal is at jkroger3, K-R-O-E-G-E-R. I retweet a lot of the Rams Podcast stuff, so you can find me if you look. And then I'm at LA underscore Rambling Bear. And give us a follow. We don't mind a little troll now and then, uh, you know, coming at us and, and bringing some stuff. So uh, always love interacting with you guys on social media. So it's going to be a fun year, and especially when there's something on the line. Hey, uh, also speaking of social media, you know, the video that we tossed up on YouTube. Yes. I have to say, Brandon, all the comments were from Seahawkers fans. So uh, <laughs> you know, a little shout out to, to your guys' listeners because they all watched the video and commented, uh, of course, about the jersey. So uh, a little shout out to them for, for commenting on the YouTube video. Nice. I, I think the, a video thing of some kind needs to be... Uh, in the mix for, for both oh, of our yeah. best. Cause I just, I just really enjoyed that. Like, I mean, you guys took the production value up another notch from what we did the first year. I look forward to, you know, not having to do that uh, for you guys next year. <laughs> yeah. All credit to James. I'm glad I got him on my team because he knocked that video out and killed it. So I think it's, I think that's the best part is not only winning uh, the Jersey or whatever it may be. It's seeing, seeing the other person have to go through that and put that video <laughs> together and do some sort of drill or sweat it out or wear the Jersey, whatever it may be. Some public shame is always good in the, in the opposing Jersey. Yeah. And I think I finished a whole bottle of wine to myself editing that bad boy because <laughs> part, you know, that was the worst part of losing not, not buying the Jersey because you know, you buy the Jersey and that's done, but putting that yeah. together, just, you know, watching yourself in this Seahawks video, <laughs> trying to edit it. And, you know, I had to, I hope you guys enjoyed the soundtrack. I had to start off with some Seattle love there in the beginning. I noticed that. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed the <laughs> the Seattle soundtrack at the beginning. Well done. 
Thank you. All right, guys. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad we got this work through and uh, it's, it's going to be a fun season. And I appreciate you guys coming on, breaking down some of uh, your enjoyment of the off season. And uh, this will be fun to listen back to. Um, oh, you bet. Especially at the end of the season. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Love you guys. Uh, hate your team. <laughs> <laughs> same, same to you guys. Always enjoy coming on and chat with you guys. Anytime. Yeah, we'll have to uh, do this again maybe before we meet up in October as well. Ah, indeed. Perfect. Well, a big thanks to James and Bear our Rams fans for coming on the show, breaking down their off season. I think it sounds like we got a bet worked out uh, for, for each of us. This is so much fun. I, I really, it, it, I took a lot of pleasure in being able to tell them how their season was going to go since they've had so much sunshine blowing up their ass all off season. I, like, could I just tell. felt like it was time. I yeah. could tell that's been building up and just kind of weighing on your shoulders. I, I feel yeah. like you must be about 10 pounds lighter. You're going to be walking around with a spring in your step now, having I gotten am. that off your chest. Yeah, no, I feel like a whole new person. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that I was like an Oracle, a sayer of sooth, so to speak. Yeah. You know, just getting it out there so that, uh, you know, they, they knew what they were in for this year. You have something on the line. You know, it, it'd be one thing to just to go out there and say it, but to say, I will put something on the line, you know, whether you know, it's making a video that uh, where we have to do something or, and we got to hear back from the listeners, you know, what do we want to see Rams fans do mm-hmm. when, when they lose their bets? Well, I guess it's pick a drill. Cause I like the idea of a drill. You, like you want to keep a, the drill thing going. I like that. Yeah. A combine drill that you would like to see James and bear perform mm-hmm. uh, and a separate one for each, I think. Right. Maybe. Or the same drill, maybe like, and they have to compete against one another at said drill. I feel like we've taken, we've taken the good drills though. There's all sorts of other drills out there. Absolutely. Broad jump would be hilarious. <laughs> see if you can get farther than four feet. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like some of the passing drills would be good. Like some of the blocking drills would be good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like where you start out on your back and you got to get up. Yeah. 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 And then like the one person like directs them with their hands, like a, like an air traffic controller. Or we could find a way to combine them, you know, where you have the offensive line, but then you have to throw a pass. Oh, made See, up. We can, yeah. We can, we can combine these and get creative. It's up to the listeners, man. We need, we need your help. And then, uh, I guess, so it, so it's that in a Jersey. It, uh, yeah. That's the formula. I think let's stick to that formula. Okay. That'd be my, that, but uh, I need to decide uh, what jersey I'd like to go for. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a, really a jersey guy. So, I, you know. Well, maybe you could go, um, you know, throwback. Yeah. I was also thinking B-Wags. That'd be a good call. Yeah. He might be the best player on the team. I know the Madden, Madden ratings came out here recently. I don't think Bobby don't got a 99. I don't know that he's better than Russ. I don't, I don't know that he's better than Russ. That's tough. He is. Is he wh- better than Earl? Those are your three, right? Yeah, those are definitely your top three. Now, what you could say about B-Wags is that he he could be the best in the league at his position. You can say that about Russ. Sure. And you can say that about Earl. Even though Chris Sims likes to crap all over him and tell you know that he's lost like five steps and he's no good anymore. I don't get where that comes from. He had one injured year. Yeah. And then he was awesome last year. Everybody acts as if he lost a step. And right. He prevented Todd Gurley from scoring a touchdown at the goal line. It Watch just like, I, where does He's that done. come from? Doesn't want to be here. 
Well, that, I guess that could be part of it. Maybe the the antics from the offseason are kind of uh, clouding there their judgment. There are no antics. He just wants a little more money. Well, you know, media makes that out to more than what it actually is. That's what's fun about this Rams-Hawks bet for me is the media narratives for both teams have been just ramrodded down the public's throat all year. The Seahawks are terrible and it's over. And the Rams are the golden children and the best. Yeah. Hand them the trophy. Now, if you want to crown them, crown them. <laughs> you know? oh, that reminds me, we got our, our crapping on the Rams song back from our uh, our producer, uh, Jay Stevens, who who sang the lyrics on it. Uh, we had a lot of members of the flock contribute. Uh, Flocktimus Prime, Keith Kedover, I think he yes. did a majority of the lyrics. Cameron Cole came up with the idea of going with Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer uh, for Crapping on the Rams. It was hard to find somebody who even know who Toto was, uh, let alone putting on the Ritz. So, uh, Although Flocktimus Prime did come up with some great lyrics for that song, too. Bon Jovi, a little more mainstream, I think. And I think we're going to put that at the end of the show this week. Yeah, man, that's, uh, it's pretty darn funny. Uh, I've had to listen to it a couple times because I'm really bad at picking out lyrics. But uh, well done. Very creative by you and the Flockers and, and Flocktimus. I'm very impressed. And and Living on a Prayer is a, a song that's near and dear to my heart. Right. Because we, we, we lip synced that for the second grade talent show. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I was the drummer. See, so you can even get behind some 80s rock or at least have some sentimentality to it. That one song. <laughs> right. The rest of the genre or you know, that whole genre and decade garbage. Hot garbage. We hear you. The worst kind I, of garbage. We understand. Okay, we get garbage. it. Garbage. Enough. <laughs> like really bad. Let's get like if I had a time machine tomorrow, my first order of a business would be to go back in time and try to prevent all 80s music from happening. Not not prevent the Holocaust, <laughs> not keep the Titanic afloat, you know, nothing like that. Like not, not stop important. the Challenger explosion. No. No, not stop. Yeah, nope. It'd be to eliminate the 80s music. And visors. Sounds like, sounds like a man who makes sound choices in life. And leaf blowers. <laughs> well, we do have some uh, people who do make sound choices throughout their life. And that those are our new members of the flock and our current members of the flock who help make things like producing these songs happen. And uh, we especially thank our associate producer, Dustin Mock, uh, for keeping his donations going at getintheflock.com. We also had a one-time donation come in this week from Ronan206 for $12. Thank you, Ronan. Yeah, thanks, bud. Proper amount, too. Absolutely. Paul Baglio, he started up a 1212 donation through PayPal. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't want to do uh, Patreon at getintheflock.com, we have seahawkerspodcast.com slash support. We got a PayPal button there, and that's what Paul did. And uh, Paul, welcome to the flock. Yeah, welcome, man. It, now you get to call yourself a little flocker. Feels good, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it does. And a welcome to the flock to Rico Winkler in for a buck. Thor's name was pretty strong last week, but Rico Winkler, that's pretty strong too. And another uh, listener from Deutschland. Boy, they really know how to do it over there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see you, Rico. I see you. Get in the flock.com if you want to be a member of the flock as we try and work our way up to 300 before the start of the season so we can uh, do some post game shows. Oh, yeah, man. I'm almost looking forward to that. You will be. You will be looking forward to it by the time we we get started. Well, everybody else will be looking forward to it because that's going to be a 50% drunk podcast. Yes. Week in, week out, for the most part. And I've seen it. Yeah. Now everybody else will get to see it too. You've seen seen me do a drunk podcast? 
I've seen you, we've had discussions after games on Sundays. Oh yeah, yeah, we've had many uh, discussions where I'm drunk after games. Yes, <laughs> right. that's happened. We haven't yeah. recorded it necessarily, but uh, no, we've known each other a long time. We've talked Seahawks for a long time. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah that's been a lot of discussions like that. <laughs> Speaking of, of how we've known each other a long time, uh, we got a couple of reviews this week, and one of them no was, you remember the review where we had the listener who said it sounds like they don't even like each other? Oh, right. He's come back. No way. Yes, and revised the review, says, wow, I wrote a premature bad review before I actually listened to this podcast, but now I really love it because not only do they actually know what they're talking about, but it's fun to listen to. You know what, dude, I, I have a lot of respect for anybody that can like get on board with something or whatever, or just have a change of heart, a change of opinion when they finally realize, Hey, maybe I was on the wrong side of this issue. That's very cool. Thank you very much for that review, man. No, I actually, I, I like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Back around episode 178, I think is when that came in. So mm-hmm. I, I think I came up with a, a good rule of thumb for anybody new to the show. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the show and you don't like it, just hang with us for 30 more shows. It, <laughs> That's all? Just 30 more? Just 30 more shows. And, <laughs> yeah, and you know what? If after 30 shows, you can say, you know what? I, I still don't like it. I've hung in there for 30 shows and I, I just can't do it anymore. I, I'll be man enough to sit here and say, you have terrible tastes in podcasts and you'll pro- you should probably listen to 30 more shows just to be sure. Right. I mean, that'd only be about, what, 90 hours of your life? Right. Yeah. 60 total episodes to yeah. listen to something you don't like. It'll be great. <laughs> no, but that, that's wrong. a really cool review. I I, that, uh, I never expected that in a million years. Thanks, man. Last week, we discussed, too, about the negative, you know, most of the negative reviews that come in mm-hmm. generally have to deal with you. Yeah. I think I finally found a way to get under some of our listeners' skin. What? Yeah. A review came in, says, I refuse. I just refuse. From D. Bloomy in the Hong Kong iTunes store. (laughs) I refuse to give a fifth star to the greatest football podcast on the planet. Never Mm -hmm. badmouth the Godfather, Brandon, or else. (laughs) I told you, dude. I told you. That's a a road you don't want to go down. I know. I and you know what, Dave? I, I'm not saying that Godfather is a bad movie. I, I was just saying that it's an overrated movie. You know, it's rated number one. It has mm-hmm. to be below number one for me because I couldn't stay awake during the movie. Oof. So I mean, Oof. it's it's kind of like Under Siege too. You know, the Steven Seagal sequel uh, to Under Siege. I, I know, I know, it's not better than Under Siege one because I stayed awake through the entire first movie. <laughs> couldn't I couldn't make it through Under Siege 2. I can't believe you actually went to watch Under Siege 2. <laughs> I saw it in the theater of all places. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So because I've never made it through The Godfather and, and so many people have it ranked in their top 10 movies consistently, I, mm-hmm. I think I'm big enough to say that that maybe something happens in the movie that I didn't get to see when I watched it that makes it the, the iconic movie that it is. So it's probably a top 10 movie. But there's no way that I put it ahead of movies that I can make it through, like Goodfellas or The Departed. Well, um, all I know is it's been a really cool run (laughs) doing 207 episodes with you. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed our 39 years of friendship. 
Well, I don't know. Let's see. That's probably closer to what? 34 years. Yeah. Sure. 34 years of friendship. Yeah. Kindergarten. I've yeah. enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I care about you, bud. And uh, wherever you're going next, it's probably a better place, but it's curtains for you. <laughs> Does it feel like I'm doubling down on the Godfather? Yes. Nastiness? Because really, I'm not. Bloomy coming for you. Bloomy be coming for you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. He's going to take that fifth star that he held out on. He's going to turn it into a Chinese throne star. He's going to put it right through your heart and send you swimming with the fishes. All right. What do you think? Should we take uh, an email here uh, before we close the show out this week? Yeah. Yeah. Quick email. Um, because it was the Know Your Rivals, I did not prepare a Do Better and Better Life. So, uh, yeah, whatever. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay. All right. One here from Gary Bloom says, here are some thoughts I had after listening to the talk around Earl's contract. And I'll first make some things clear. One, I am thinking rationally, despite my head being overheated by the sun through my lucky Seahawks visor. <laughs> two, I don't know, man. Your brain's cooked. <laughs> that hobo hat's killing you. Two, I'm not siding with the billionaire owners at all. Three, I am siding, as Brandon suggested, with the I want my team to be awesome at every position philosophy and have my money to sign other awesome players at other positions with the money they save along the way. Or maybe those cheap-ass billionaires could spend more and you could still do that. Could. I don't know. I'm just saying. Number four, I am a big believer that we need to sign ET3. He is the glue that holds the defense together. He is still in his prime, and we can't be leaky in Area 29. So sign ET3, or else the Seahawks will get my due better if they don't. I agree. I'm just curious if Gary uh, enjoys the one-knee approach when kissing billionaire owners' asses. (laughs) Like, because it puts the booty like right in front of your face. You get right down on one knee. Well, he, that's the only thing. And you know what? He, Gary addresses this. He says the answer that Adam proposed of raising the salary cap will ultimately not lead to a solution for situations like girls. What will happen with a raised salary cap is that there will be overall salary inflation for everyone. And then once the new salary cap space was filled as a result, there would still be players who felt undervalued compared to their peers and would want to hold out and renegotiate. I'm all in favor of players earning as much as they can without the fans bearing the increased cost at the stadium, but a raised salary cap is just a very temporary solution. Okay. I would disagree. So I don't entirely disagree with Gary's point there, because if you take it in that direction, yes, I think he's exactly right. My thought process, which I did not clarify at all on the last, last pod, would be to switch to a soft cap, similar to the NBA, mm. where there there is a cap, but you can go over the cap, but your owner is going to have to pay the luxury tax. Yeah. So it's something that you can do on occasion for when your team is in such a position like the Seahawks are in now to pay somebody like Earl Thomas to continue you know where you are now, but it's it's still prohibitive enough to where it keeps things equitable among all the teams. Interesting. Okay. That way the players would get more money in certain situations and you know, the owner would just have to pay out a little bit more. Yeah. I'd be for that. That's all I'm saying. Although you wonder how much the Patriots would be abusing that. Well, I don't know who's Richard Kraft or Allen. Yeah. I think my money's on Paul. Uh, yeah. (laughs) By a significant margin, I think actually Gary says best preseason quarterback ever. While I love Mike Teal from my hometown Rutgers Scarlet Knights, I think Matt Hasselbeck, who was na- nicknamed Mr. August before his trade to Seattle, <laughs> has to be the best of all time. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Yeah. 
Gary came strong. No, yeah, I'm not going to argue against uh, Hasselbeck. Yeah. He could have used some hymns. <laughs> At like age 12. Hasselbeck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Olin Michael Lee comments. Wow, my dude. No one is telling you how to work in a studio. Your level of ignorance with leaf blowers is stupid level flat earth. <laughs> Don't you think the people who do this every day have over decades found the best way to do this? Do better, man. <laughs> Oh, okay. So we've topped out at leaf blowers. That's the best way to do everything. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there won't be any more innovations, quote unquote. And on top of that, sometimes old ways are the best, man. Yeah. I think your innovation is a quiet leaf blower. So it doesn't wake you up in the morning. Yeah, that would go a long ways. And for it not to look like a non-flying jetpack. Well, here we go. Uh, the do better this week. We'll we'll give it to Thomas Brown. We'll have a uh, listener submitted do better this week. He says, just listen to the latest pod. My do better this week is for Brandon and Adam, whose single oh. failure to mark a watershed in American sport should leave you hanging your heads in shame. Shawshank Redemption. Crap. Hall of Fame announcement. What the catfish guys last weekend, your American Eagles finally won against a tier one rugby nation overcoming my beloved Scotland 30 to 29 in Houston. Okay. It was pretty much a second string Scottish team, but the USA were awesome on that day. It's expected that Adam would miss this as he probably is busy at a leaf blowers anonymous meeting. Uh, However, (laughs) Brandon more is expected of you and your generally steady omnipotence. (laughs) (laughs) and before adam goes off on one not being able to appreciate rugby and the nfl is the sporting equivalent of being a flat earther after all some of us mere europeans seem to be able to understand both a scrum and a nickel package so adam and particularly brandon do better oh man i got i got prejudged on my rugby uh uh views yeah like yeah i got pigeonholed i actually i think rugby's a hell of a sport Hey, we have a, a team in Seattle that uh, way cooler than soccer. Yes, like way cooler. Although than I soccer. don't know if we're supposed to be saying that during while the World Cup's going on. The World what? <laughs> this this world. That's this tournament where a lot of uh, soccer teams around the world compete. Play uh, in a stadium that sounds like a beehive. Is that what they do? I, th- I wouldn't know because I haven't watched a single uh, minute of it this year. Oh hell no! Oh, I, I've got things to do. I may watch the final though. I generally nah. will tune into the final just to see. I'm going to be either in the mill or on the river, man. One of the two. All right. It's summertime, man. We only get a few months of, of fun outside time. Well, moving on to better at life. Let's give it this week to a longtime member of the Seahawks family, Sandy Gregory, who just announced her retirement from the Seahawks front office. 42 years with the Seahawks, uh, one of the original employees in the expansion season of 1976. And no kid. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You've probably heard if, if, if the name isn't immediately coming to you, uh, the fact that she was so instrumental in getting Kenny Easley uh, back uh, connected with the team. Uh, She was a big part of him getting him into the ring of honor uh, for the Seahawks and kind of bringing him back among the, you know, the members of the Seahawks family. So uh, longtime member with the Seahawks, 42 years retiring and uh, Sandy Gregory better at life than Skip Bayless. That's that's outstanding. Yeah. Good job by you, man. 
coming up with that uh, better at life. Yeah. I, I did not know that. That's that's amazing. Just came so across. 42 years. Yeah. 42 years. We started the podcast six years ago, right? Yeah. All right. So that would have been when I was 33. So 42 years of podcasting would put me at 75. <laughs> Think we can keep this up till we're 75? Let's do it. Let's give it a shot. We'll see if the league's around then. And with that... There's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. And catfish the Rams. Catfish the Rams. Super Bowl 
I'm recording. Is Princess ready? Yeah, dude. Oh, okay. Just takes me a little time. Bonk me. Bonk. Pretty lame bonk. Uh, I don't even think you use it anymore. I don't, it's because you don't try hard enough. Well, make it worth my while. <laughs>